1: Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. But of all the things I've
0: ever done, Class Parent was the worst. What
1: fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. What day is it? Who knows? Who cares? With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. i not explaining
0: to anyone why I'm in a chair reading and drinking a beer.
1: A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to turn your demanding child into a productive coworker. Hey everybody, welcome to What Fresh Hell. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And this week we are talking
0: about literally getting anything done. Or getting literally <laughs> anything done. Amy,
1: I'm not sure if we're getting anything done around here, but we did get something done. We booked some guests. Yes, we have some very exciting guests this week. Our guests are Laura Vanderkam and Sarah hart Unger. They are co-hosts of the podcast Best of Both Worlds, which is about how to get more out of life at work and at home as a working parent. So we figured maybe they could help us right now (laughs) because we need to get literally anything done. Right. I mean, we can beat ourselves up on not getting more done when we're all doing more than we ever do. Right. Like we are all in this moment we're full time caregivers. We're full time homeschool facilitators and educators. We are are all working at home. I mean, whether you had a job outside the home that gave you a paycheck before this or not, we are all two months in, we are all getting that email. Like, I'm supposed to set up for my um, daughter's homeroom a very special thank you gift for the homeroom teacher at the end of the year. Yes. Because I'm the class parent, and so I have to come up with something. Thank you, Teacher Appreciation Week. Right. And Believe me, I appreciate this teacher, but I'm like, oh, God, I have to edit together a video of a kid saying, thank you, which how many of those can you watch? I'm so glad you just said that because I
0: have to write down like it's teacher appreciation week for me, too, and I've got to do something for it. All of this stuff. Guys, you know us. This podcast is not going to be like, it's time to write your novel, friends, with all your free time. Like, that's not where this is going. So don't worry about it. We're just trying to figure out if we can get literally anything done. Amy, before we move on, there is one other thing we've gotten done that we have to tell people about. Oh, that's right. Because we have gotten one thing done. <laughs> we, as a lot of you guys know, we have taken some of our quarantine time to make some little videos about how it's going for us. Spoiler alert, not great. But we did start a YouTube channel and come to our website, whatfreshallpodcast.com, and you can find our YouTube channel. You can also just search What Fresh Podcast on YouTube and find us. And that's fun. You can waste time watching videos while you're not getting
1: stuff done. One of our Facebook listeners asked us to do that so that she could share it with people who aren't on Facebook. And so, yeah, share our funny videos if you think they're funny, far and wide. That would really help us. Amy, sometimes we talk about
0: how we perceive the other person. And I perceive you to some degree as a person who would use quarantine to get in better
1: shape and like write a novel. No. True or false? False. I'm not trying to be extra, right? I'm just trying to do anything. And I feel like for the first many weeks, I was able to sort of hold stuff at bay. Like nobody was really expecting anything of a mother of... Of three who was just dealing with the homeschooling but I feel like at this point it's all coming around like you know that thing I told you I needed you to notarize for the city like that really needs to be notarized and it really needs to happen right now like all of that stuff is starting to creep in under the door at least for me like we give you a break and now I need this right now please even if it's class parent stuff right it doesn't have to be for a company the household CEO stuff is becoming all of a sudden overdue are you experiencing that
0: It's interesting. In the beginning, I mean, I remember when this started, and now whatever, we're, let's call it 60 days in or something. I remember in the beginning thinking, I'm not going to do anything. And I lived in New York on 9-11. And I remember a very similar set of, what do you call it? Like steps that happened afterwards that the first couple of days was just like, okay, world has completely changed. Nothing else will ever be the same. And we're now going to like, I don't know what, you know, become soldiers or something. It seemed like everything was going to be completely different. Different from now on. Right. Everything would change. Right. I mean, I was planning to run. It was September 11th, obviously. Thank you. And then I was running the marathon not November. And the idea of running the marathon was comical. Like that will never, of course, a new world order has started and that will never happen. And then about a month out, like stuff started to kind of come back to some semblance, like you went back to work and everything kind of returned. It took a long time to return to like normal. but And I feel like I've had sort of the same experience with this in terms of the first five days, I did nothing but like stare at the wall and panic. Like I really couldn't function at all. And you and I did some work around the podcast just because we work on a schedule and we kind of had the sense of like, let's at least keep it going and see what happens, But other than that, I was having trouble getting anything done. And then like the second week, I had a lot of I teach. And so I had to design a new curriculum for my work. And that took a lot of time. And I don't know, fielding kind of calls from like, how's everybody doing and a lot of checking in. Right. And I feel like right now, I'm not getting caught with a lot of tails. I'm busy with the school stuff. And I do find the like. It's the tiny things. It is the like, could you film your kid saying, thank you, teacher? No big deal. But those things tend to become the straws that break my back. Like, I don't know why, but I cannot manage to film my kid for one second saying thank you to his teacher. By the way, I will do it because I do appreciate them. But you know what I mean? For me, now it's just generalized nightmare and chaos and then small things. I was just saying on the Facebook page, like the thing that's like, click all the pictures of a traffic light, that is the thing that will break me. Like in Zoom, right. and then it's this weird picture, and you're like, wait, am I supposed to click the light post also and the light? Like, oh, I get it wrong three times. Like, Yes. For me, <laughs> yes. I'm not that busy, but I feel like I'm in a constant state of chaos, and small annoyances make me completely mental.
1: I am feeling sort of getting frantically busy, and I think it's because... I'm an obliger. You know, Gretchen Rubin has those four types and I am the obliger. Like I'm the class parent because of course I'm the class parent. I'm on the board of my apartment building in New York because of course I am. Guys, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you have young kids,
0: class parent is a terrible job and I would avoid it if I were you. (laughs) I know that's not a good team player thing to say, (laughs) but of all the things I've ever done, class parent was the worst.
1: Well, it's just this sort of gnawing at the edges. Yeah, now I have to come up with, so if I had to record my daughter doing a video, that would be one thing, but I have to come up with the idea, get everybody to do it, and then execute it and then send it on. And let me tell you global
0: pandemic does not slow that stuff down. It's still like it's teacher appreciation. Like you get busier as a class parent, which is insane. Yes. Because you're supposed to kind of be in charge of making sure everyone's covered. It's not a good job and I hate to poo-poo it because I have s- mad respect for people who do it and I realize the school wouldn't function without it but I'm just saying like insider word to the wise: don't sign up to be your kid's <laughs> class parent. And by the way, your kid doesn't know your class parent. Yeah. Like if you 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 show up as secret reader or you show up with cupcakes on the birthday. Your kid's like, my mom's a superhero. Class parent is a completely behind the scenes job and your parent, your kid doesn't even realize you're doing it.
1: Well, I'll skip right to one of my solutions for this that we're going to talk about later, but definitely one of my solutions right now is say no more, you know, say no to like, I'm sorry, I can't take that on right now because I think I have like three or four of these projects that I'm sort of in charge of right now that I have to get done in the margins and I don't need... Of five six or seven and it's very hard for me to say no so jennifer wallace who's a friend of mine she wrote an article for on parenting in the washington post about this moment that we're in and how to get more done and she suggests coming up with something she calls personal policies like think about this stuff and you make it a policy you make it a rule and you say i don't do work calls after 8 p.m for example not I can't do work calls after eight, just I don't do work calls after I actually don't do the volunteering time stuff for school. We do make sure to write a check to the parents fund every year, like that kind of thing.
0: I don't do work calls after 8 p.m. because I am in bed in my jammies watching a TV program. <laughs> you don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to tell me
1: why. I mean, the idea of a work call after 8 p.m. is blowing my mind right now. I think that is part of the problem right now because the weekday, weekend lines are blurred. None of us know what day it is, right? Right. The 8 a.m., 8 p.m. lines are blurred. Like, I know you're home. I know you're looking at your phone. So answer my email. You know, like my husband has a ton of work calls. He has a very traditional outside the home job, at least in the past. It's been outside the home. and people think he should be available at 9 a.m. on a Sunday.
0: That's true. And my husband, his, we're East Coast, and his job is based on the West Coast, so he actually does often get work calls at 9 o'clock at night because people are wrapping up their day at 6. I mean, in back in the old times, Amy, when people went to offices. Remember those times <laughs> yes. when we left our houses and had friends who weren't our children? Yes, back in those days, he used to have that problem. He, I mean, and still. And I will say, I do think it's smart to think of life as kind of a pie right now, like my mother-in-law has an expression, like love is not a pie. It's not slices and you give them away. It's like an eternal font, you know, but your work should kind of be a pie. Like I find with our work right now, I'm working a lot on Sundays. It's a really busy day for me work-wise. And so if I find myself on a Tuesday sitting out on my deck And, you know, having a beer and reading a book like that's my Sunday time. I'm taking back my slice of the pie from Sunday, you know, that's a good point. And I think you have to kind of be like, I'm willing to do X amount of work. And if I have to do it on a Sunday from two to eight, I'm taking that time back on a Tuesday from 11 to two. And I'm not explaining to anyone why I'm in a chair reading and drinking a beer.
1: That's a really good thing. I think we can all take in at this time, right? Get your work in when you can do it and then get your time for yourself in when you can do it, even if it's quote unquote during work hours, because every hour is a work hour at this moment is I guess what I'm trying to say. But that really does begin with saying no to
0: some stuff. And I have that problem hugely myself. I don't think of myself as a pleaser, but I guess I am in that I'm like female and alive and Irish Catholic and like to some degree, that's all like, please are pieces of me. But I work in a couple of realms that are, you know, with kind of vulnerable people and doing some work that I feel like, if not me, who? And that story gets me crazy. You know, I'll end up at three o'clock in the morning doing stuff. I don't have trouble drawing boundaries and being like, there's only so much I can do, let's say for the podcast. But some of my other work is more like volunteer work. And it's like, oh, these people are depending on me. That story gets me every time. Like I have terrible problems with boundaries when it's like, could you help? I don't have any problem being like, I'm not doing PTA stuff. It's not working for me. But can you help a vulnerable person? I'm like, I might (laughs) as well do it because otherwise I'll be worried that I didn't do it at 3 a.m. You know, the cobbler's children have no shoes because Margaret's out helping the world. Yeah. Well, there I have a friend who wrote a book called Strangers Drowning, and it's literally about that. Like it's about people who like rescue other people. Kind of at the sake of their families sometimes. And I try to be very aware of not being that person who's like, must save the world. And my kids are like, Mom, where are you? You know, <laughs> but I know that's a vulnerability. And this sounds a little bit, but like I'm being like, I'm just such a saint. I can't say no to people who, you know, but I'm just saying I get, I have found in this time that I'm a little vulnerable to that.
1: Guess who else we have to have boundaries with and say no to? Our children. Our children. That's right. Right. Oh, it's a huge one. This has made very clear, I think, for many of us that we have been parenting all along in a very 21st century way where we're guilted into thinking we need to make their lives perfect and educational. Right. And so a lot of our kids are not particularly good at occupying themselves. And this is a good opportunity for them to learn. But we got to teach them
0: absolutely and it's hard and are you finding i mean my kids are eleven, nine, and 8 and there's as i push back a little bit i notice like a total regression like i have found myself saying no baby talk in my house for the first time in like four years Mm. it's like they are physically regressing and i don't know how to do it and i'm like wait 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 stop that like We're way past that point, but they really feel that feeling of I want someone to like hold and take care of me, whether it's through learning fractions or, you know, whatever it is, they're needier. And so it's a harder time to push those things. But I think never a better time, really.
1: Yeah. And my kids are 17, 15, 12. So we're talking well out of the toddler age, but still, yes, they see me. They know I'm right there (laughs) working at my laptop. Surely I can drop what I'm doing to help them. And you know they want me to look at an essay for them or to help them figure out the email they're going to send to the science teacher. But they want to sit there with me while I do it. I'm like, send it to me and I'll get it to know they want to sit there with me and sort of offload their agitation while I'm helping them. And I'm working on that. But no matter what age your kids are, I mean, it's a lot easier to tell an eight year old to go play than an 18 month old. That's not going to happen. Right. So Sarah and Laura have kids. Well, Laura has five children and the youngest is five months old and she's still managing to get through the day. She's a time management expert. And I think she's going to have some great advice for us on ages and stages, how to eke this out right now. All right. We'll be back with them right after this break. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Different fuel sources.
0: If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off
1: your lumen. That is L U M E N dot M E, lumen.me, and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Our guests today are the co hosts of the Best of Both Worlds podcast, Sarah Hart Unger and Laura Vanderkam. Laura Vanderkam is the author of several time management and productivity books and is a mother of five. Do I have that right, Laura? You you have five kids now? Yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah Hart Unger is a practicing physician and mother of three. Do I have that right, Sarah? (laughs) Yes. I lose track myself, but yes. On Best of Both Worlds, they discuss work-life balance, parenting, time management, productivity, and making time for fun. You know, that stuff. Thanks for being with us, Sarah and Laura.
2: We're so excited to be here. Thanks for having us. This is exciting to be on.
1: So we're all in this moment, right? We're like, we're rounding uh, into the second full month being completed of us staying at home. And we were talking in part one about how it kind of worked for a while and you could kind of put everything on pause. But now the work stuff is starting to creep in around the edges, whether you work outside the home or not, the project, the end of year thing, the volunteer uh, slideshow, we are all starting to have that stuff a little bit overdue. And how do we get to what's most important in the extremely limited time we have? That's what we want to talk to you guys about.
3: Yeah, I know this is really uh, something a lot of people are dealing with. And as you mentioned, you can put a lot of stuff off for a long time, which is good to know, right? I mean, I haven't gotten my haircut <laughs> in a very long time. I haven't been to the dentist in a very long time. It was a long time before quarantine. And now it's <laughs> even longer. Um, but eventually, we, we do need to get to some stuff. But I think you know, the key thing is you want to ask, well, what is the stuff that I most want to get to? You won't get to everything. And when people try to get to everything, that's when they start to feel bad. So really getting clear on, well, what is the first thing I want to focus on? And then well, if I get through that, what is the second thing I want to focus on? Keeping the list really, really short.
1: How many things are on your daily list? So I aim to put about
3: three to five things on my daily to-do list. That's usually in addition to any scheduled appointments I have. And I know that three to five things doesn't sound like a whole lot. But the, the problem is there's no point in making a 20-item to-do list and then not doing it. Like you won't do it. You won't do all 20 items. You'll do some of them but which ones? Were they the most important ones? Were they ones that actually had to get done
0: today or were they not? And then on that list is uh, homeschooling your children, making meals. Those things I'm taking it are not even on the list. Those no, are just no. so That's it's, just it's, the baseline.
3: Yeah. Beyond life maintenance, right? Mm-hmm. So the things that, you know, I, I don't put brush my teeth on my to-do list <laughs> each day. I mean, I mean some, sometimes I do because it makes some, me some feel better to cross it off. it probably does need to be on there, but <laughs> it, not, you know, not a reminder to eat lunch. It's you know these are the things beyond baseline that need to happen today and if you keep it short you can probably get through it um and then you know you can go pick three other things tomorrow and if you you keep picking three things you
2: you get through a fair amount i think it's definitely helpful to look at your day kind of either the night before or the morning of and if even if you don't have your three things completely identified yet Um, And I tend to be like two to three things, like five sounds like a lot right now, (laughs) Um, but like figure out where those secret windows of time might be found. Like I know in my house, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. is the golden hour for productivity um, if I don't have anyone home to help me because that will be one kid, one young toddler napping and two older kids glued to Minecraft. So that's actually like three hours. If I know exactly what I need to get done in those three hours and I've kind of thought about it ahead of time, I can be like a ninja and try to just like bang out what I can in that window. But it's kind of comforting and makes me less anxious earlier in the day, kind of knowing that I've already identified my window where I'm going to try to kind of attack everything that I need to do. I feel like that that's key. And
0: Laura, I know you talk about having more time than you think. And that's a thought that I keep coming back to at this time, because There is a sensation of chaos that is kind of dominating my life. But eight weeks in, I'm getting really tired of that sensation too. And so I'm trying to reformat my days and I'm not suddenly trying to be like, I can repaint the upstairs. I'm not trying to give myself jobs, but I'm trying to come back to the story of there is actually some time. We're not actually in full-time chaos. The house is not actually on fire.
2: Yeah. Well,
3: I hope not. <laughs> I, hope I mean, house. not yet. It's not been yet. that kind of a month. So if so you should get out of the house. Yes. Um, but no, I, I think this is this is helpful to change our stories. I mean, we can't necessarily change reality, but we can change how we talk about reality. and And often that can go a long way. If you're telling yourself the story, I'm crazed, I have no time for anything then you look for evidence to support it. And I am sure we can all find evidence to support that narrative at the moment. But we could also find evidence to support different narratives. Um, you know, yes, you may have toddlers running around the whole day. But as Sarah said, you know, if they've got a good long nap in the afternoon, maybe that's a time that you can do something that's fun for you as opposed to, you know, doing housework during that time. Um, maybe if it's time after kids go to bed, maybe if it's time that you can trade off with a co-parent, um, maybe if it's slightly older children who are able to be shoved out in the backyard and probably won't cause too much damage to themselves or others for an hour, then, you know, that's time you can use for stuff too. But if you've identified what you want to do with that time, then you avoid that feeling of like, oh, well, the kids were just out in the yard for an hour and all I did was scroll through Twitter
2: reading, you know, depressing headlines. (laughs) I think sometimes it's also- (laughs) Uh, Some of us are doing that, yeah. (laughs) I think sometimes it's also helpful to think about like your A-level tasks and your B-level tasks, meaning like, what are the things that I can do when I'm only paying half attention? And those things might be things like folding laundry or like maybe you're able to kind of make dinner, but you're probably not able to. I think we were talking about a theoretical slide deck that's due that you've been putting off for like <laughs> eight weeks at this point that's going to have to be reserved for that special kind of protected screen you know centric whatever your poison is um time versus your kind of b-list stuff which you can kind of squeeze in the nooks and crannies so when along with twitter scroll oh yeah when you
3: yeah, no. One of the um, one of my blog readers, I, I love this example because she's one of the families of many families who are splitting childcare during the day. That she and her husband have a toddler, um, and both trying to work full time. And so she gets one to five thirty to work each day while he has the toddler, and you know she takes the morning or whatever it is, and then she also works from seven thirty to eight thirty at night. And she said she takes the seven thirty to eight thirty slot and completely plans out. What she's going to do from one to five thirty, and from one to five thirty, she does zero email, zero administration. It is only the projects that require her full focus because she's like, well, I can answer email while you know the kid's running a truck around uh, the table, and I'm, I'm like, sit there with my phone. I can answer an email, and and that's so hard to have the discipline to be like that though, I and mean, to say, I you know, when the kid goes down for a nap. I got to clean out my inbox. But but no, you don't. You know That can happen at other points. But save, save the quiet time for what really deserves that time.
1: That's sort of revelatory to me that you can spend an hour planning your next day. That that is the best use of your time over a week, right? Is to spend an hour a day planning what is the best use of your time instead of using that hour if you then execute the plan.
3: I think it's it's very you know, in her case, it was very structured planning in the sense of she was even doing like outlines of the things she needed to write, right? So it's not like she wasn't working, like it was only planning, But it was very much making sure that she could optimize the time that she had
0: planning. It's also a thing for us. Like I know that find actually having that conversation with your spouse is something that I was skipping over for the first week, and it was causing a lot of problems. Like actually sitting down and saying you're on, I'm off. You're even if you're not trying to do an outside of the house job, being really clear about who's in charge when will stop a lot of interpersonal fighting. In my Personal experience. I think
2: that is such an important point, and I don't think that's something that should be rushed through. That that really deserves its own kind of planning type of meeting where you physically get out either your digital calendar or a paper calendar and decide, you know, how you're going to cover for each other. Now, of course, there are going to be situations where that's not possible. You may have someone that's um, raising their kids on their own, or you may have somebody whose you know partner works in the ER and they're just not available like that. But if there are two bodies that can contribute to childcare, really intentionally figuring out how to best use those people um, to help the other person stay sane is, is so important and not to be overlooked right now.
1: Is there any part of this that is about sort of recalibrating our expectations of what it is to parent? Like we were talking in the previous segment about how we have all sort of learned over the past, I don't know, couple of decades. We've we've all learned over the past two decades that parents are supposed to, you know, put kids at the center of their lives at every moment has to be enriching and useful. And do we have to sort of like the, the toddler can play with masking tape for an hour and that's fine? Does that enter into this at all? Into getting more done?
2: When you have five kids, how are you going to stand over your toddler with enriching activities? (laughs) There are are minimal enriching activities
3: going on. No, no, that's not entirely true. There are some. Um, I I don't want to throw my household under the bus here. But um, no, I I think that there is definitely a recalibration going on because people are realizing that you can't do an A-plus job on everything And some of the things that in the past we considered worth an A-plus job may just not be worth an A-plus job. And this is true for work. This is true for home. This is true for taking care of the house. um, This is true for all sorts of things. It's true for our personal care. I mean, we've (laughs) learned that we don't have to get our hair cut every six weeks or colored or whatever it is that we do. I, I know that you guys are not that big on uh, the silver lining. <laughs> <Bart> <laughs> of the quarantine, uh, I'm really not big on it, but I think some people might be. But recalibrating your, your expectations is fine. Uh, you know that if if you're a generally A plus employee who does a B minus job for three months. OK, like it's still better than your employer having to replace you. I'm sure that the employer is glad they don't have to replace you. They'll take B minus for a couple months. Um, if it means you don't walk out the door, uh, same thing on, on the home front, you know, the laundry can be shoved, you know, at people's doors or just left and, you know, come get it when you, you need socks. There, there's probably some in the dryer. Go figure it out. Uh, yeah. So I think there's a lot to be said for that. Some of us were never all that overachieving anyway. So uh, it, it's kind of normalizing everyone else to us.
2: And it's also, you know, a good reminder that it's okay that we don't have to be our our children's cruise director all the time. I mean, I know I find myself sort of questioning how much of the activities we were doing before were really helping our lives or were they just unnecessarily complicating our lives. And, you know, there's a spectrum. Like, there are certainly kids who are struggling right now. Maybe they have two parents who have to work outside the home and things are really chaotic. But in a lot of households, just because they're not being stood over 24-7 doesn't mean that they're not you know, getting something out of this time. They're probably getting more time with their parents. They're probably getting more time to do creative play. Um, they're probably getting enough sleep for once. I have a lot of patients, you know, I take care of diabetes patients and a lot of them are actually under the best control they've ever been because they don't have these complex routines going on. So I think we have to, to remember that, you know, for kids, as long as they're, you know, getting their basic needs met and they're getting love that, We can't be expected to make every single moment of their day, you know, a perfect learning opportunity or a Pinterest, you know, science experiment or cooking project.
0: And I've found as I'm calibrating everything about my life, I'm also calibrating my kids needs in a way like I have a kid who, when left to her own devices, will read a book for two hours and then write a long story and illustrate it. And that's her homeschooling. I don't worry about her at all. Then I have other kids who, when left to their own devices, will watch screens all day. And so there's a lot you can figure out in terms of what needs to happen and for whom.
1: That's been what's hard for me. I mean, I, so I have all all older kids. My kids are 12, 15 and 17. And part of what I have to do every day is manage their time management for better or worse. And I'm trying to back away on that. Like I, I can tell if my high schooler is doing what he's supposed to be doing to get ready for college applications or whatever or not. But I hear like a click click, click of his mouse and I can tell that he's on Minecraft for hour three instead of doing one of the 18 things he could be doing to plan for his future. And I find (laughs) myself sort of, you know, hovering over that a little bit because I'm in the same room with them making dinner. Like, have you started one of the 10 things? But uh, that's probably not a good use of my time right now to manage other people's time. You have to sort of let it be a little bit, I guess. I'm trying.
3: Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's a skill and we can help children learn the skill of managing their time. I mean, there's plenty of adults who have no idea how to manage their time. So I guess it's not really fair to assume that children will learn it. But if they can learn it, I mean, all the better. I I think probably a, a child will be better served by you know, figuring out like, this is how I project manage my college applications with some insight from mom and dad, of course. But, you know, it's one of the first big things that they can tackle by themselves. And what an opportunity. So, you know, yes, it's hard to to back up, but it also allows them to, to figure out things. I would say this whole experience of having my older children around the whole time, is really teaching me about their differences in personalities, just, uh, you know, (laughs) what you guys were talking about. Like one kid wants to get through everything as soon as possible and is incredibly upset when this child cannot cross something off on the list of things to do for the day by 10 (laughs) o'clock. Others will leave them undone all night unless somebody is standing over them saying, you have to do this, you have to do this. Uh, Others resort to subterfuge. Um, and then you get notes from the teacher of like, I haven't gotten anything from this child in a long time. And like, huh, that's funny because they were on the computer for a long time, allegedly doing it.
0: <laughs> Subter- <laughs> subterfuge is a skill in of itself,
3: I will say. That is
2: true. I, I've I've learned that some of my children are good at it. Yeah, so there it's we a go. pretty
0: useful life skill when you think about it. <laughs>
2: Laura has also taught me, you know, not to catastrophize what happens, especially in the lower grades. You know, you can freak out because your first grader... Uh, turns out, like hasn't been, you know, dotting every i and crossing for every t. But this this is actually the time to mess up, and it's actually interesting because some of them are being given a little bit more independence, and we're actually able to see, you know, where those mistakes may be made. But you know, first and second grade, and probably beyond that, it's it's a good time to to let them make those mistakes and and learn from them.
0: And I do think that that I want to underline that for people that. I mean, I keep seeing people stressing out about kindergartners homeschool, and I just, I resist on every thread being like, this is not a thing, don't worry about it at all. If it's helping you structure the day, great. I mean, my, my oldest kid is sixth grade, and so I don't have the pressure of like, this counts towards your final exam for life, but... I just, there's nothing worth it to me to add to the stress of homeschool. Like I'm quite into exploring this experience as how do you organize and structure your day? And I often walk out of my kid's room and I say, I think this may be a day where you don't get anything done. And I guess that's what we'll report to the teacher. And then they freak out. Oh, I got to get it done. And really trying to lean into letting them take some responsibility. And I did just get a note that my second grader hasn't turned in any work the last month because I let her do it on my own. So I'm like, all right, we got to catch up on that stuff. And here's why that's not great. And I chatted with her about it. And I feel like the organic lessons don't pass them over at this time.
1: Can we talk about what on our own lists can get like crossed off, like forever circular file, like I I've, I've thought that I was going to be able to contribute to this year-end project, but I'm not going to be able to do that now. Are there things we can decide right now aren't worth our time, although they might have been in the olden
2: days? I feel like it's so individual. There are... One that comes to mind for me is like organizing digital photos. I'm like, I have just left that behind. Like, who cares? <laughs> like, I'm going to like throw together a photo book and then the digital photos will be there or they won't. And that's fine. 50 years ago, we didn't have digital photos and we survived. So like, that's an example to me of something that like people can spend hours on. And there are definitely like whole podcasts dedicated to like how to do this, but like, you could also just not.
0: That's <laughs> a great one. Just
3: not. <laughs> it's funny because of what I write about. I, I get people sending me tips on how to be better organized about their inboxes. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> that that ship has sailed. My inbox is what it is. And, you know, I've, I've had a few things that have fallen through the cracks, and usually if I apologize and say something nice to the person, that often solves the problem. And with that being the solution, you know, maybe it's not worth being 100% on top of it. So I know some people will disagree with me on that, but
2: Sarah is an inbox <laughs> no, zero type of person. but I do haphazardly just delete everything to get to inbox zero. There's no like careful <laughs> filing going on. It's just like, it's empty now. Yay, look at me. So
0: yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's a, There's two types of people in the world. There's inbox zeroers and then there's inbox chaosers.
3: It's not, but it's not chaos. I would say it's not chaos. It's just that email expands to fill all available space. And so staying on top of it requires giving it more space and you have to decide if that is an expectation that you intend to meet. I always say that expectations are infinite and time is finite. So,
2: you know, we have uh-huh. to choose. Yeah. This is not what I'm choosing. Not what you're choosing. I'm
1: going to carry that with me. <laughs> thank, thank you for that. Because <laughs> email feels even more important right now. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, try to ignore it more often. Thanks for being with us, guys. This is Laura Vanderkam and Sarah Hart Unger. They are the hosts of the Best of Both Worlds podcast. And you guys do other stuff, too. Tell us where we can find you on the internet.
2: Um, This is Sarah. You can find me at my blog, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com. Check it out there.
3: And you can visit my website, which is lauravanderkam.com. That's just my name. Um, And if you like short daily podcasts, I have two of them. One is called Before Breakfast. Uh, which is just tips on good living and uh, the new corner
2: office. So if anyone is working from home, this is a short daily podcast on tips on how to work from home better. On Instagram, you can find me at the underscore shoebox.com. And we also have a podcast um, account, best of both worlds podcast. And I'm at
3: L
0: Vanderkam. Thanks guys. guys. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And now, what type of quarantine mom are you?
1: From the What Fresh Hell podcast. The Yeller. Get this stuff off the staircase. Move it, kids. Zoom class is starting in five minutes. Who left this fork in the sink? Has anyone seen my phone? The Over It Mom.
0: You know what, guys? For homeschooling today, let's just watch a documentary.
1: Yeah, I
0: guess YouTube videos of surfing dogs count as a documentary, right? The Socializer.
1: Okay. So we'll meet at 2 o'clock at the parking lot by the high school track, and then you'll sit in the back of your car, and then I'll sit in the back of my car, and we'll scream back and forth to each other while we eat trail mix. The Multitasker. I think if you look at these spreadsheets,
0: you'll clearly see that the quarterly processing implementation is off to a strong start. Could you hold on for a moment? I have to stir these sloppy joes. The trying to keep perspective,
1: Mom. So guys, there's a pandemic going on, but the thing is... We are lucky to all be home together. And even if the schools don't reopen, I'm here to help you learn. And sure, not seeing our friends is hard, but we are so very blessed to have each other. And I mean, yeah, this could last like another year, but we just need to stay positive. Mommy has a little headache. I think I need to
0: go lay down. The Newsflash Mom Okay, Twitter is saying that New Zealand is easing out of lockdown. That's got to be good news, guys. Uh Uh-oh, now I'm looking at CNN. All right, seems there's something called murder hornets. Listen, my breaking news crawl says there's something called COVID toes. I need everyone to take off your shoes and socks so I
1: can check you. This has been What Type of Quarantine Mom Are You? From the What Fresh Hell podcast. So we were talking about in the first section about how we had to set boundaries with our kids in order to get stuff done and how that's not Easy. I want to make sure everybody saw there was an amazing article in New York Times Parenting by Michaelene Ducleff called Turn Your Demanding Child into a Productive Coworker.
0: I will say I rolled my eyes so hard I almost strained them
1: when I saw that title. Just the title. Well, maybe she didn't even write the title, right? But it's a great essay. So Michaeline, she said that she found herself being transformed from a productive writer into an event manager for a four-year-old because... The kid is sort of always at your knee saying, play with me, play with me. And uh, it's not working. I don't want to watch this anymore. I already saw this one, that kind of thing. And there's only so much screen time you can do. And she decided to revisit some work that she had done with, I think there were Inuits. I mean, we're talking people who live like up in Alaska and the Arctic in igloos, right? Like how does a mother of three with three little kids in an igloo who has to, you know, skin the whatever to make dinner narwhal whatever we don't know the narwhal like how is she getting something done because guess what it happened and that and so she goes back into this research of there's hundreds there's thousands of years of kids being with their parents while their parents did the work and the kids occupied themselves sort of at hand i mean they're next to your knee but they're playing by themselves, and she decided that this was a skill that she was going to teach her four-year-old and set about doing it, and Michaelene claims that now she can work for about an hour with the four-year-old and say, Mommy's going to work on her book for an hour now, and sometimes her daughter will work on her own book, which is about Frozen 2, or she will lie on the floor, or she'll do this, but she understands, and is it as productive as when her daughter was at school and Michaeline was at the library? Of course not, but it's moving in the right direction.
0: First of all, read this article. It is super interesting. Second of all, I challenge myself and I want you to come along on this challenge, dear listener. This is the kind of thing that we often hear and we think my kid couldn't do that. Not my kid. And, you know, sometimes that's true. We often say when people say, oh, they only throw when they're hungry, those picky eaters. I'm like, "Uh, maybe not my kid. But let me tell you, maybe my kid now, my picky eater, I had to sit down with and say, you know what, the things you really like the best we can't get right now. And so you're going to have to eat some different things. And like lean into the experience of there is something on the other side of whining and boredom and I challenge myself all the time with this because you know I have kids who really do not thrive at entertaining themselves and if I let them on screens and some days I let them on screens for four hours because that's what works for us but in the days where I'm trying to limit the screen time what if I let them be bored what if they fight in wine for a long time, and I keep ignoring it. And this article helped me because I keep thinking, what if we were in an igloo? Yeah. I cannot cruise direct them. I am busy hunting and skinning things. <laughs> uh, we're reading the Ma Ingalls, you know, the Little House on the Prairie books right now. And I just keep thinking of Ma. Like, she's not entertaining those kids. She's doing stuff. And yes, is it more annoying to unload the dishwasher and hand them to the kid and have them help? And do they complain? They definitely do. But if you don't force yourself, and I'm saying this mostly to myself, to push through that wall of resistance, you will never find out what's on the other side. I just found
1: out there's a psychological term for this, the thing you have to push through. Is it called Margaret is insaneism? Because <laughs> that's what I'm having right now. The narwhal effect. <laughs> it's called an extinction burst that when you're trying to get your kid to, you know, let you work or help out, whatever we're talking about, that you get so much resistance, it isn't worth it. And so you just give in and do it that one more time. That when you change your approach, I'm like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to work quietly now. This is mom has to answer some emails and you're just going to have to occupy yourself because you know, while the baby is sleeping, this is your time to sit quietly. You will not get immediate compliance. You will instead get an increased burst of noncompliance. And the example I saw was like, you put the money in the vending machine and the soda comes out, right? What happens when the soda doesn't come out of the vending machine? You bang it, you shake it. You're like, what happened? I put in my money. I want my soda. Your kid is going to react that way in the very near term, be like, no, 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 no. This is how it works. I want until you read me the book. You have to exist through that extinction burst because it is going to be extinct, but you have to get through it. That's like a great image for me
0: because that's exactly what it is. And then solve the problems that come up in the new reality. So if you say, oh, my four-year-old got into the pots and pans, pulled everything out, and made a huge mess in the hour that I was working. Your reaction isn't, so this was a mistake trying to do this with my four-year-old. The solution is I need to work somewhere where the four-year-old is in sight, you know? And okay, but the four-year-old just keeps bothering me. Okay. So the solution is I need to completely blank face everything that four-year-old does for one hour, you know? And so you don't try to just say, well, I tried it. And it didn't work out because this other thing happened. You try to solve for the igloo problem, Yeah, which is I can't just play with them all day. I'm in an igloo. I have to do it. And That philosophy is the one thing that has kept me going a little bit through quarantine. And I've been in other situations in my life, difficult situations. And somebody, I don't know if a therapist or somebody, friend told me a long time ago, if you force yourself to think of the situation as this is what was supposed to happen to me for a reason, then you start to see everything as a new kind of challenge. Like Mm -hmm. this was what was supposed to happen to me for a reason. This bad thing that happened. And so how am I being asked to react to this situation? How am I being asked to thrive in this situation? How are my kids being asked? This is exactly what was supposed to happen to your kids for a reason. I don't believe that's true. But if you think of the problem that way, you become a problem solver in it. Like, oh, I have to find the solution that why
1: I was locked in this room. It's an escape room. Like I have to find the key. If you have kids who are little enough, you know, that you need to be with them, right? You can't let them play in the playroom in the basement because you need to be keeping an eye on them all the time. This is obvious, but watch your margins on this one. Do not do anything without the kid around after bedtime, before they wake up, during nap time, while they're watching a show. Do not do anything that you couldn't do while they were around. So when the kid goes to bed, don't unload the dishwasher. Save that to do together with the kid. Folding the laundry, like all of that stuff. Don't do anything when the kid isn't around, but your email and the thing you need to get done relaxing, doing nothing, that counts too. But save the housework. And it means, for me, it meant letting go sort of my standards of perfection when my kids were younger. Like, let the house be messy until tomorrow. Clean the messy house with the 18-month-old next to you also cleaning the house, right? Like, save that stuff and you will find a little more time to do that thing you really need to do.
0: Yeah. And FYI, I feel like I'm stuck on this because it's important for me. This is not so you can free up your time to write the great American novel. No. And self-actualize all your time and, you know, get on the treadmill six times a week and be this extremely I saw a cartoon in New York. I'll try to send it to Amy put up on the show notes. It's like a person just after a shipwreck, and there's like flaming debris in the water and half the ship is sinking and they're in a lifeboat. And the caption is I'll finally have time to work on my novel. Like, this is not the time to work on your novel. No, you are surviving a crisis. So we are not talking about oh my gosh, free up time, because then you'll be able to make pheasant under glass for dinner every night. That is like the most 70s reference. I'm sure no one knows what I'm talking about, but that was my (laughs) oldie locks alert back in my day, because that was always my mom's go-to. It must have been some like old 70s
1: restaurant thing, because that was always her reference for like what fancy people ate, pheasant under glass. I don't even know what it is. It sounds yeah like a cruise ship, like everybody in formal clothes for dinner every night, sort of cruise ship cuisine.
0: Right. It's not free up time so that you can make a better dinner.
1: It's free up time because you'll see that your kids can function more without you. Another thing that's working for me right now is actually going back to my planner. I had stopped using it for at least a month because what's the point? What day is it? Who knows? Who cares? But Now that I'm starting to have due dates and a couple of things I need to do, I've gone back to the paper planner and I'm writing about three things each day that I have to do. And they can be little. It can be like get the episode ready to launch on Wednesday. I write that down for Tuesday. But looking at that. Instead of I also have a list that I keep everything I have to do, but looking at that makes my eyes cross But looking at here are three things I need to do today. Here are three things I need to do tomorrow It takes all the guesswork out of it. It takes all the Oh, I have so much to do I don't have so much to do I have these three things that I need to do today and it can be write a check and then you cross it off and you feel so proud of yourself
0: I also find that that helps with like the ambient anxiety because I was having a lot of trouble with like I got three kids They're running three different zoom sessions my oldest takes care of it himself basically but the two younger ones and you know oh we missed class and then it's tears because they did something special and we weren't on it because mom's a dummy and you know it's always of course my fault and i have found just one to-do list i did not get my planner back out because it seems i don't know depressing to me but i do keep a small notebook on my desk That I have a to-do list every day. This is what has to get done today, which is sort of the same thing that you're saying.
1: Yeah. And the shorter, the better, right? I mean, the two or three
0: things that really do. The shorter, the better. And that's the thing. Don't do anything you can't do with your children around while they're asleep. Agree. And like, don't do anything that you don't need to do if you don't want to do it, too. I mean, this is not the time. I, this weekend, planted a bunch of stuff because I find and it was finally sunny in New York. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, we've been through it with the weather. And it gave me great joy to be outside. And then it will make me really happy to sit among plants. I know that. And so that's something I took on because it feeds me and makes me feel better. But I also have, my kids are horrible with handprints. And sometimes, let me say, shoe prints, all over the walls of our house. And walking around, it kind of depresses me to see their like brown handprints all over everything and our dirty walls. But I don't feel like scrubbing walls right now. Not in the mood for
1: that. So I'm just gonna live with it, you know? I think making distinctions is important. The right kid might really enjoy a Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. Like, that's one of those, like, scrubbing the outdoor furniture. That might spark a kid. My kids had so much fun giggling and laughing, taking a ladder around and changing light bulbs. Obviously, that's a big kid job, not a little kid job, but they found it, like, so fun and silly. And guess what? It never until this week dawned on me that I didn't have to do that myself because children can change light bulbs. I mean, my kid is going to go off to college soon. Yeah, He can do it, and he learned and towel yesterday and he was actually so proud of himself you know like we turned the lights off in the kitchen he changed a couple of the recessed lights and then we hit the lights again and they came on and he looked at me like i haven't seen that look of delight on my teenager's face in two months he changed a light bulb all by himself that's funny It's good to remember. I feel like I've fallen
0: way away from that for some reason. My kids were like cooking some meals. They were doing their own laundry and keeping their rooms clean. We had established some stuff and we have backslid on a lot of that stuff right now and it might be good to... They've gotten really into playing games online And so it involves, of course, a lot of like I need money to buy this shield in this game And they were just talking about doing a lemonade stand I was like, yeah, that's (laughs) not going to fly right now A lemonade stand is literally the last thing that anyone wants People would pay you to put away your lemonade stand The extinction burst for lemonade stands They were like, no, 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 we'll wear masks I'm like, no, no, no,
1: no, no A lemonade stand is a hard pass But anyway, maybe I could get them to wash the walls There's one other thing that I think keeping in mind will make this moment a little bit easier. Okay, lay it on me, Amy. There's many things we have to take on right now, but one we can put down is pretending our kids aren't there. What does that mean? I mean, if you have to do a work call, if you have to do a work presentation, an email, whatever it is, your kid's 24-7 presence in your life right now is not something you have to hide at all costs, lest you not get the promotion. We're all with our kids all the time.
0: I'll take that another exit down that highway, Amy, because I think you do not have to help your husband pretend he does not have a family. Yes. And so that's like, for me, it was a little bit of a sit down with my husband, whose job is unfortunately not super busy right now, but, you know, in the first week, he was kind of He works at home already. So he was like, all right, goodbye. And walking down to his office at eight in the morning and trying to come up at 6 p.m. Like, what's for dinner? And I had to kind of express in a loving way that I thought he should slow his roll on that entire thing and realize that it's not my job to make this pandemic not happening for you. I will say on the flip side that he has completely stepped up and he is probably doing more work than me right now.
1: That's another silver lining. Well, I talked to... A guy, a dad of three. I was communicating with him again on the like three things I had to do that day. I was talking to him about some apartment building emergency procedures being in New York City during the coronavirus. And he said, I will do that at some point this week, but in about another fifteen minutes I'm gonna become homeschool dad for a while. So I mean I'm doing my best, but I have that going on right now. And this is a guy that I'm really just starting to work with and I found it extremely refreshing that one, it was a guy saying it, but also like he was just being upfront and owning, I'm gonna do my my best for you as a professional. And I have kids who need my homeschool assistance. So it might take me a couple of days. And I had no problem with that. Of course I didn't. And I think that we can at least take that off our backs. It's okay if your toddler comes up to you during the work call. You know what I mean? We don't have to pretend this isn't happening and this isn't where we are. You can take that one off your list. Agree solved it.
0: We solved it. We're going to say you can get maybe a little bit more done if it helps you. Otherwise, get nothing done. And be proud. <laughs> Amy, before we wrap, I have to just give you a little extra something. Oh, okay. We have been calling out monsters. And my poor husband has gotten called out as a monster a million times. And yesterday, I did the biggest what kind of monster thing ever. And I have to call myself out to even the scales. Okay. I got a bunch of plants. And I decided that I would drive them. We have a porch around the back that I would drive them around the back rather than just being lazy and not wanting to carry them up. And I drove out onto the lawn forgetting that it had recently rained. And I dug the car so deeply into the lawn that I got stuck. And then I freed <laughs> myself again. And I dug myself into the lawn in like six different places. <laughs> Giant divity tire marks all over the lawn because I decided I did not want to walk the like literally
1: 12 feet to carry the plants out. What kind of monster ruins her front yard? I am the monster and I am here to admit it. That's the first step in improving things,
0: Margaret, is you start with yourself yeah, my husband's still also a monster. But anyway, if you <laughs> want to talk to us about what you're getting done, what kind of monster, I mean, the what kind of monsters are flying fast and furious on the Facebook page, guys. And you
1: can join us at Facebook. .com forward slash WhatFreshHellCast We're also on Instagram at WhatFreshHellCast and we're on Twitter at WFH Podcast I want to give another shout out to our guests Laura Vanderkam and Sarah Hart Unger You can find their podcast Best of Both Worlds wherever you listen And guys come check out the new YouTube channel Oh yeah Keep on keeping on most importantly
0: stay healthy stay sane and we will talk to you in a week Thanks
5: everybody